We're back. You're listening to the radio. I have just eaten breakfast. It was good. I ate Wheat Bix. Shout out Wheat Bix. They're really nice. (laughs) You're listening to the breakfast show and we are going to have our next question for the quiz. Yes. Hebrews 1 says Christ is superior over what other heavenly beings? Oh. Specific. Because he is superior over pretty much all human beings, but specifically... Which heavenly beings was referred to in Hebrews 1? Mm. 0491064669. Give us a call or a text. You can call today. Our phones are back up. That's right. Hey, we've got um, a couple of text messages here. Patricia Shell, are there more text messages than this that, that we need to? Maybe that'll come through. But Let let's just have read the text. I have to read it one more time. Hebrews 1 says Christ is superior over what other heavenly beings. Oh, that's right. 0491-064-669. We've got a couple text messages that come through about gardening. Ah, or ah, or ah, ah. Gardening just makes me crabby. It's never ending. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out Rachel. She's like, she she just wants to be honest, bro. It's the weeds, isn't it, Rachel? (laughs) And the thorns and the bugs, the spiders, the gooey worms. Yeah, I see where she's coming Mm. from. I like spiders. Oh, get out. I do. (laughs) I like them when when they're a huntsman and they live on my wall. No, I don't like... Not only do I not like spiders, I'm also very questionable about people who like spiders. So. I, I give uh, one specific type of spider license to live in my house. What's that? That's the huntsman spider. Oh, okay. You know what a huntsman is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's it's killing mosquitoes. Have you ever been bitten by one of those? A huntsman. It's excruciatingly do painful. They, they don't bite. Yeah, they do. They're just not poisonous. So people think they're really friendly and they're happy and they're chill. But it's just because they're not venomous. They're If they bite you, they can actually pierce your thumb through the nail and everything. They wow. can pu- they can puncture a um like a coke can. Did did you get bitten by one? <laughs> no, but Jason Boulder Chico has been bitten by one. So and it was excruciating. Yeah, it was bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got another text message here. I love gardening, but handwriting is important. Studies show you retain more when you write it down. Yep, you gotta if you want to think it, you gotta ink it. That's the saying, y'all. I'm literally. Like said earlier in the show, like I <laughs> I can't write. Like I okay, don't get me wrong, I can write. I have a feeling like in the last five years, anything you've written is like your signature on occasion. <laughs> Literally. You know, whenever there's like going away cards mm-hmm. and you have to write like a message, I'm like, I literally every time I'm like, write like a Bible reference. And then I write like, thank you so much. And then my name. <laughs> because it- I-, I love writing those cards. I write them in, in there even when they're not like anything to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't even know the person. Yeah, like when I come into the studio, sometimes there's a card on the front desk and all the people here are supposed to sign it and I just sign it as well. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. I actively don't sign it. Like, I'm like avoiding it. Let, let me, we should get together. Let me know. I'll sign for you. Yeah. Oh, dude, mm. I would when I need to hire someone to just write for me. I'll be your writer. Okay. Like literally about three weeks ago, I purchased a new exercise book to practice my handwriting because I want to change oh. it up a bit. Yeah. Wow. Oh, you're like, you're feeling something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that all the text messages that we have, Shell? Oh, come on, guys. Wake up. We, we, <laughs> no, we saw that you texted us some, you know, some different information about, I was talking about the pastor who got all these jewelry robbed. We saw some of you guys sending information in, but hey, like... Get, get to those phones. Let us know. Let us know what you think about this Bible study that we're about to do. Um, and, yeah, well, we don't have any 
questions left. We don't have any text messages left. So I guess You're that means... making it sound really dire We're right just here. opening the Bible. Look, I'm just sad. Someone did send us a video, I thought you said. Yeah, someone's... <clears throat> someone someone sent us like they they sent us a link to the video of the person getting robbed. I didn't realize it was live. The robbing was live streamed. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, that's so, that, so the whole congregation just sat there and watched them being robbed. Yeah. I wonder if they thought it was a skit. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, oh. a, like an illustration. It's like, a parable. It's like, like ima- it's a street parable. Like you know, <laughs> imagine the pastor gets robbed. That's so funny. Uh-huh. But hey, we're gonna get into the Bible now. We're gonna continue on with our theme of the crucible of extreme heat of surviving. Um, actually, today's specific study is called "Surviving Through Hope" in our twenty million movement, and we're gonna be looking at yeah how it is that we can that we can get through. So let's open up our Bibles. We are going to go to the book of 2 Corinthians. Now, 2 Corinthians is similar to another book with a similar name. What's that other book? 2 Chronicles. No, no, no. 1 no. <laughs> Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. It's actually funny doing Bible studies with, um, yeah, people who are new to the Bible and don't speak English. Like when we're in group Bible study at like our Friday night thing, it'll be like, oh, everyone, let's go to 2 Corinthians. And you, you usually have one or two or three opening and then they're like in the middle of the Bible and they're like, who is Saul? And it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, ah, wrong book. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. But anyways, 2 Corinthians is the second letter that Paul writes to the people of Corinth. Now, I want to ask you the question, Monica. This is mm. a bit of a Bible trivia. Do you know, you know, how does uh, how does Paul address these Corinthians in the book of First Corinthians? You know, what what is his attitude towards the Corinthians? Does Isn't he quite loving? Quite loving. Well, is it his opening statement or does he beat them over the head? So so basically, Corinthians has one of the shortest opening statements in it. Oh, straight to the point. And then he's just like, you guys are terrible. Oh, okay. Yeah, like right, in First in Corinthians, you see a church that is just so dysfunctional. You see a church where you've got members suing each other. You see a church where they are like preaching multiple like in multiple languages at the same time and everyone's getting confused. Like a church that is truly divided over, you know, whoever their Bible teacher was, whether it was Jesus or Apollos or Paul, you know, they're like f- having factional wars within the church over who's more right about the Bible, even though all three of those people were teaching the same message. Like it's, it's wild. It's it was cr- mayhem. It's crazy. It is literally mayhem. He sends them this letter where he's just like, Oh, and even furthermore, you had a, a relationship going down between someone and their mother-in-law, Ew. which is just like, Icky. yikes. I think I was thinking about the, the love chapter in Corinthians. That's right. The, First Corinthians 13. 13. So, yeah. yeah, that is nestled in amongst but maybe one of he the harshest. To teach them how to love. That's right. In and amongst like, one of the harshest rebukes in the Bible. He's like, you're doing it wrong. This is how love actually is. That's right. Mm-hmm. Then you come to Second Corinthians and you see a bit of a different church. You see a church that I believe has learned from the message of 1 Corinthians, and now they're being sent the second letter to encourage them and to edify them and to help them continually. And, but you see that they have a different challenge. Their first challenge was the fact that they were just, like, unconverted and they were just, you know, the church was terrible. Now they have a new challenge that has come upon them. Let's start reading in 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 1. And do you want to read from us uh, verse 3 to verse 5? All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. 
He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Mm. That's very reassuring. It's incredibly reassuring. What is the real like crux of this message here? Like, What is Paul trying to address when he is talking to the Corinthians now? He's just offering comfort, right? He's offering yeah. comfort in the face of what? What are these people? He must be, they must be going through trials. Yes. Yeah. Sufferings, trials. Now, this church, like, you know, he doesn't address this as much in 1 Corinthians. And I think because the trials and the sufferings that came upon the church in the 1 Corinthians era was the fact that they were persecuting each other. Like they were taking other Christians to, like a church member, they were suing each other and they were doing terrible things. It's like you're having trials, but you're causing the trials. You're causing the trials. <laughs> now, they've gotten over their, their own causing of trials. They're finally unified as a church. And now the message is even stronger to them. Hey, you're going to go through trials. Um, and particularly if we reflect what it would be like to be going to a Christian church in the, you know, in the first century Roman world, in the amount of persecution that they faced, this is definitely a message that they need. Uh, and in, what is it here, especially in verse 5, you know, what is uh, Paul reflecting on to give these people hope in their trials? And the more they suffer, that the more Christ will be there for them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He says that in your sufferings, you'll be going through the same experience as Christ. Yeah. And he will be there for you. And he will shower us with his comfort. That's wow. That's a really nice way of Isn't putting it. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. Like, essentially, what he is saying is that suffering within the Christian life is basically unavoidable. Mm. It's something, in fact, that you probably need to go through. If you And this is the crazy thing. You see this transition that's happened in the Corinthian church. They've gone from being terrible, being disunified. In fact, like you have a whole section in there calling calling sectarianism sin, that they're sected off into their different spiritual teachers. And and so the church is divided and they're like, no, like all of their suffering is coming from the fact that they're fighting it amongst themselves. Now they've unified. It's like, hey, now you're going to experience real suffering. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So suffering is definitely going to come upon them as a result of their following of God. Now, let's read verse 6 and verse 7 in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. Mm. And there was that verse seven as well. Yeah. That, yeah. Powerful. Um, I'm in a different like translation and it's written out completely differently, but the message is still there. Uh, I'm reading from the new King James. And again, it's giving this idea of like, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. I kind of feel like they're saying here, Hey, we know that God will comfort you because we've been through the same thing and we got comforted. So, yes. Uh, you know, God, God showed shows what he will do for you because he's done it for us. Yeah, that's right. He's actually reflecting on the sufferings that he went to through specifically for these people. Mm. As it says in my Bible, it says, now if we are afflicted, so Paul speaking of himself and the ministry team that he is a part of, whether it's him and Barnabas, him and Silas, him and Luke, whoever it is, now if, or him and Timothy, now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. He's saying, okay, we went through a ton of suffering, so that you guys could know the gospel and be saved. And now you are going to share in the same. 
you're going to go through exactly the same for the salvation and the consolation and the reconciliation of others to God. This is what's going to be your experience. So ultimately, the question is, okay, if we endeavor to follow God, to do his work, to share his word, are we going to experience suffering as a result? Yeah, it's that crucible. Yeah, and should we expect it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but we should not be afraid because he, like like I said multiple times, he's God God is on our side. But again, like, you know, (laughs) we've been reflecting on the story of the, the pastor getting robbed at gunpoint in in a church during a live stream like absolutely gnarly and and hectic and uh you know we've been saying okay you know like obviously it's not his fault that he got robbed but at the same time you know is it the best optics and the best situation to put yourself in you know to be wearing a million dollars worth of jewelry in a church service and to to get it (laughs) to get it robbed from you um but in reality you know you see that people who are engaged in god's work who are truly engaged in god's work are going to go through afflictions and sufferings because God's work is against the world of sin that we live in. You know, we, as the Bible says, we are warring not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There are, you know, there are players who are working to actively stifle the work of God. And we see here, like, immediately, automatically, my mind just, you know, it just makes sense. It's like, okay, well, then if we're endeavoring to do his work, Suffering would come upon us. Now, let's continue to read. Do you want to pick it up in verse 8 and 9 for us? We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. Oh, this is wow. this is powerful. Okay, so... So, if you die, Monica, right, yeah. right now, that would uh-huh. be very sad. I'd be, I'd be very sad and upset. But if you, You'd if, be. <laughs> if you just like drop dead right now, mm-hmm. do you have any ability in and of yourself to raise yourself back? None to whatsoever. Not no. even a little bit. Like you just die. Yeah. That's you know, it. maybe I could get the defibrillator out, but like if you truly flatline, like you're gone. Like you're if your if your brain stops like functioning. Like or it's a over. fridge falls on me out of the sky. Yeah. Gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. You know, you can sustain damage to which it's just impossible to mm-hmm. come back from. Mm-hmm. Um, you die and you have no ability to change that fact. And the reality for Paul is us doing this work in Corinth and all around this area of the world will literally bring death upon us. We will be killed for our faith. It, and that's what we're scared of. And in in fact, the end result of Paul's work was that he was killed. He was beheaded in Rome for what he was doing. Like that that was the end a result. A lot of the disciples were, yeah. A, like the Almost majority of the disciples yeah. were martyred. You mm-hmm. know, whether they were thrown in boiling pots of oil or crucified upside down or beaten with clubs or beaten with rods. You know, wherever they ended up, you know, you have... Um, Peter, who spent most of his time in Jerusalem, you had Thomas, who ended up all the way down in Bangladesh and founding the Church of the East, the Thomas Christians. Like, you had all these disciples ending up all over the place, and all of them, their end faith, the majority of them, the end of their faith was that they were killed. Now, does every follower of Jesus, you know, no. get beaten with rods and killed? No, and the answer is no. no. Um, and, you know, we, we live in a context today where that is happening less so, at least in the West. In, you know, other places around the world, it is happening much more and very terribly. But, you know, is it guaranteed that you're going to be martyred for your faith? Not necessarily. But in this time, you know, whatever it is, like you live the life of faith and you're going to die for it. 
that's the situation that they're in. And so it's like, okay, this is, this is where we're at. We're going to do God's work and then we're going to die. And we're going to die for our completing or our participation in God's work. So therefore, to give us the, the courage, to give us the hope, to be able to continue to do God's work, is it a good thing to look at ourselves who can't raise ourselves back from the dead? Like, if we're looking to ourselves to do God's work, if we're relying our, on, dead our, end. on our own strength and power to do God's work, what's going to happen? Oh, well, we're going to die, and then that's it. Yeah. So he realizes, like, the writer, Paul, he's saying here, hey, like, the only person, the only person who has power over death in the entire universe is God. And we're going to be killed for the work that we're doing. So then who should we be like, and what is the work that we're doing? <laughs> Sharing God. So who should we be real in doing God's work in the context where we are going to die for doing it? And the only person that has power over that is God. <laughs> who should we be relying on? Who should we be turning to? Who should we let motivate us to do this work? And whose power should we be using to do this work? The clear answer. Obvious answer. It's God. Yeah. And and I feel like this is something that we miss so much. You know, we can turn church into maybe a club or a hobby. Or, you know, there are people who turn church into an occupation and it stops at that. It's like, okay, you know, I work in ministry. I have certain things that I need to do. I have certain quotas that I need to reach. And if I reach those quotas, well, praise God. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm done. And I feel like what lulls us into that kind of situation is the fact that we don't receive much persecution for our faith in a place like Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're not, you know, facing the threat of death. You know, I don't go to church, you know, like I, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm getting tailed by the secret police or something when I'm on my way to church. Yeah. I was going to say before, like, you know, these people were facing imminent death, but you know, how would we feel about our faith if we were suddenly facing imminent death in Australia in it, 2022? Yeah, that's right. And as a result, that gives the ability for church to be something like a club or something like a, you know, uh, an, just an occupation, um, our faith to just be nothing more than maybe a philosophy that we live by, but we don't actually engage in. Whereas, uh, you know, what it's saying here, it's like, if you're in this position, how much more would you need to rely on God because your life is a threat? Now, this is the thing that we don't realize. Our life every single day is at threat. Have you ever, have you ever thought yeah, this? Yeah, it's true. It, you, what do you what do you reckon? What do you reckon about that statement? <clears throat> no, it's like a, a spiritual life, and like you know, we can die at any point. Like you said to the, like before, I could my heart could stop, drop dead, mm-hmm. hit by a car, some sort of accident, mm-hmm. and depending on where you are with your walk with God, you can determine whether or not you're eternally lost or yeah, that's right. Yeah, the Bible simply says this: today is this day of salvation. Does that mean Jesus is coming in the clouds right now? No, no. But what it does mean is that the decision that you make today has eternal consequences. And when we live in a world in which you can just drop dead, and there's been, you know, I mentioned this a a few times on radio, there's been a bit of mourning in my church, there's been a bit of mourning in churches, really, a lot of churches around the place recently, over, you know, the death of church members that has taken place. And I think what that showed to a lot of people, and praise God for these people, because I believe wholeheartedly that for both of them, they were on God's side, they were living to follow him, and we will see them again. Um, But what it really communicated to all of us is that you can be in any position in life, you know, you can be doing well financially, you can be doing well with God, you can be doing bad with God, you could be in, you know, 
looking for a job. You can be anywhere. You could be consumed with anything, but then all of a sudden you can just drop dead and it's all over. You can have the greatest, biggest, and most amazing plans in the world. But if we aren't close to God now, like if we don't make the decision today to be close to him and every day to be close to him, we never know when we'll be cut off from him. We never know when that decision will cease to be there for us to make. And so we literally can't, in that kind of conclude, in that situation, we can't think of Christianity as just a club. We have to turn to God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Hey, well, hey, it has come time now for the final question. Please, yeah. What was the man carrying who carrying who... Oh, wait, this has been misspelled. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. What was the man who was carrying who led the... This just, none of these sentences make sense at all. <laughs> uh, what, I'm going to read it as written, all right? Okay. And then you can make sense of it. What was the man carrying who carrying who led the disciples to the house where the Last Supper would occur? So what was the man carrying... <laughs> I'm not sure so the man who led asking. the disciples for the last to the last. Okay, okay, okay. What was the man carrying who led the disciples to the house where the last supper would occur? That must. Oh, there you go. That must be it. That must so be what it. was he carrying? Yeah, there was a man. He was leading the disciples to the house where the last supper were, would occur, and he was carrying something. What was he carrying? That's so funny, bro. English stop working, man. <laughs> like, that, was, that was awesome. Hey, it's early. 0491-064-669. Yo, just had a text message come through from my main man. Good Your morning. Dad? No. Oh. No. Well, <laughs> I love my dad, but he hasn't texted me this morning, which is a bummer. Usually he sends <laughs> bangers through. But we've got, good morning, Lawson. The last message about having God during hard times is very powerful. Thank you from Ethan. Do you know Ethan? Don't believe I do. Oh, Ethan came on the show with us. Ethan is a young child, but Aww. one of my friends from Sydney, and he did a fantastic job hosting with us on Faith of M. And uh, yeah, so it's good. Hey, to, Ethan. It's good to. It's good to. It's I good feel to like know. maybe Ethan and Ezekiel could be friends. Ezekiel's another one of our young listeners. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. But unfortunately, they live in two different areas of oh, well. Australia. I'll Maybe they can meet up and be friends. Yeah, yeah. One day. Thanks eventually. for listening. Thanks, Ethan. Well, hey, it has come time to continue on with the Bible study. We're looking at God being with us through the suffering, which is awesome. Well, let's read another two verses here. Actually, can you read 9, 10, and 11 for us? In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. Mm. Amen. Dude, 2 Corinthians, like the rest of this book, is literally like Paul just pouring his heart out. Yeah like in love to these people uh, and what God has done for him. Ultimately, that's what he's trying to communicate to them. And now here, like he makes a conclusion of this thought um, by, by talking about how God really like rely on God because he will deliver you. And how do we know that? Because he really has delivered us. Like God has really delivered us from danger. He has really delivered us from this suffering and from death. Um, And then he says, and you know what else helped us be delivered? 
your prayers. Mm. <laughs> um, your prayers for us that thanks may be given by persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. He says, like, the gift of prayer. Yeah, intercessory prayer works, man. What you guys have done for us through your prayers. And it's incredible because then we just need to reflect, okay, like these people, they were praying for Paul. They were praying for their missionary team that they'll be able to get through and continue the work. And, you know, okay, so what did they overcome? Did they overcome any life-threatening situations as a result of these prayers? You know, did did Paul go through some some rough and dangerous times? What do you reckon? Absolutely he did. Yeah. yeah. He was living life on the edge. Paul is the man. And from this point forward in the book of 2 Corinthians, you have, again, like Paul, you know, expounding on different theological topics, but you just feel this air of just absolute, just heartfelt sincerity from him. Like I, I look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12, where it's like, if we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for for those who boast in the appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is God, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. He's like just telling them like, this is what we're trying to do for you. It's not that we're trying to boast in ourselves or commend ourselves, but it's for your benefit. We're coming to you and sharing this with you because of our love for you. And we just want you to know God. And this kind of builds up and builds up and builds up this idea of like, we are giving this to you because of how much we love you and how much we love God. We want you to know how to be close to him. Then we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And this is like, this is the peak right here. This is the banger. Basically, Paul is trying to qualify himself or give credential to himself as a teacher. Um, you know, what is it that I have done that qualifies me to be able to speak on this topic? Now, before getting into those different things. He says a number of times, look, I don't want this to be boasting. I don't want this to sound like boasting. And this might sound like boasting. And if I'm boasting, I'm a fool. And I have to sound like a fool because you guys have to know what we went through to get you this message. Um, what we went through um, so that you could have an experience with God. And so let's actually read a little bit. First Corinthians, sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 11 do you want to pick it up in verse 22 for us? So first, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and let's start reading in verse 22. And just keep reading, and I'll stop you when I, when I feel like it, because it's just like, it's just powerful. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. They are, <clears throat> are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many journeys, long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked long and hard, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone often without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough strength and clothing to keep me warm. And then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches." Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? 
If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I am not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Aretas kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape from him. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Mm. Whenever I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Mm. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside of my body, but I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astonishing that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. Mm. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weakness. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Awesome, awesome. Let's stop there. Yeah, wow. So Paul like outlines probably one of the most gnarly, self-sacrificing, increased in suffering ministry experiences that anyone could ever have. But he is so wrapped up in the spiritual well-being of these Corinthians that he's like, please, don't take this as boasting. Please, no. You know, he talks about his experience going into vision. He's like, please know that all of this is worth it because I'm working for the salvation of you. I want you to know God. I, and this is what I've been through so that you can be able to know God. And it's, oh, it's powerful. Like, he is so concerned with these churches. He's so concerned with these people. And I feel like for us, you know, we, we are so blessed to be able to live in the situation that we are in, but we need to realize, wow, like if Paul was willing to go through this for these people, should we be willing also? Yes. Paul was just a man like us. Let's endeavor to be like him. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we have question of the day coming up, but before we do, we are going to get into some answers for the quiz. Let's, oh, excuse me, my voice went off funny. Let's see how well we did today, everyone. Who wrote the book of Lamentations? Jeremiah. The seven churches of Revelation chapters two and three are located in modern day Turkey. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Jeshem oppose the work of Nehemiah. You got it, the Old Testament prophet Nehemiah. Mm. Hebrews 1 says Christ is superior over the heavenly beings at his angels and the man carrying who led the waters, what? <laughs> I still can't read it. He was carrying a jar of water. That's yep. the answer. <laughs> <laughs> let's never do that one again. Okay, uh, let's see how you did. Um, congratulations to anyone who got any of those right and I hope you all win tomorrow. Then you can't if you mm-hmm. won. One winner to rule them all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's kind of All true. the best tomorrow. But let's do... Let's Producer do... Producer <laughs> Question of the day. Lawson. Okay. You ready? Yep. Only you and Jehovah's Witnesses preach Michael is, Jale- is Jesus delusion. Mm-hmm. This destroys the fact he was begotten of Jehovah, his God and Father. Question coming from uh, Thomas. Tom, okay, Thomas, that is not true. Like, 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 just like categorically. Like, we are not the only people who subscribe to the idea that Michael the Archangel is a pre-incarnate Christ. Uh, we actually, like, as some of you would know, Faith FM is owned by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're a Christian church who preach Jesus and love him. And um, Seventh-day Adventism as a whole is... Um, 
in, in our statements of belief, I believe, yeah, subscribe to the idea that Michael the Archangel is Christ. But we didn't make that up. <laughs> in fact, um, two of the most prominent theologians of the Re- Reformation, John Wesley and John Calvin, subscribed to the idea themselves um, that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, yeah, this just simply is, like, that is just not true. Like, just to say that, like, the Jehovah's Witnesses and some of the Adventists subscribe to that idea. No, there are many theologians, uh, there are many churches who subscribe to this idea. Now, just because there are people who subscribe to an idea, does that mean it's true? And the answer is no. Mm-hmm. But what we need to do then is look at the Bible and say, okay, when Michael the Archangel is referred to like is there any indication to show that he is god because this is this is the big point is michael the archangel like if michael the archangel is jesus that mean, that means that michael the archangel is god like he is a part of god and again our view is that he is a pre-incarnate jesus he is the name for a pre-incarnate jesus so all we have to do in the bible is look for a time in which michael the archangel is worshiped by god we just have to come to a time when he's referred to as God. Now, the word Michael means one who is like God, and the word archangel does not mean angel. Now, it was one of our quiz questions that said that Jesus has authority over angels, but archangel does not mean literal angel. The word archangel means the head of the angels, or like, and the word angel itself, or angelos, means messenger. So it can't even be strictly applied to the idea of like being a literal angel because yes of course angels were created by god satan is an angel he was created by god gabriel's an angel he was created by god but michael the archangel he is never referred to necessarily completely just as like he's not just michael the angel he's michael the archangel or in other places we see him referred to as the angel of the lord and i want to give you an example where the angel of the lord is worshipped and called god this is actually in Exodus chapter 3, where the Bible says this. Uh, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock back to the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire in the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. So the angel of God, the angel of the Lord, appears, or and we can take angel, angel of messenger, appears to Moses in a burning bush. Moses says to him, I will now turn aside and see what this great sigh is, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. The Bible is calling the angel of the Lord in the burning bush, God. And if the Bible is calling the angel of the Lord in the burning bush, God, (laughs) then is it it blasphemy for me too? And the answer is no. And we see, you know, we could do a more of a profile on Michael, Michael, the archangel. We see that he is the one who commands the armies of heaven. We see that he is the one who directly fights Satan in heaven. We don't see that with Gabriel. We don't see that with anyone else. We see all throughout scripture, Michael, the archangel taking the position of the leader of all of creation. He is God. He is Jesus. You have been listening to The Breakfast Show. It is another beautiful day here in Newcastle. Like, you know, we just had yonks of rain and now it's finally 
done. Sunning out. And sunny outside. I'm going to go out and enjoy myself and spend time with God. Yeah. That's what we would endeavor to do. And that's what we advise all of you guys to do. Spend time with God today. Spend time getting to know him. But hey, grow in your faith. Read his word. And remember to talk faith, live faith, and act faith. And you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. By his counsel's God uphold you. With his sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.